Today, I'm again speaking with Holden Karnofsky. In 2007, Holden co-founded the charity evaluator GiveWell, and then in 2014, he co-founded the foundation Open Philanthropy, which works to find the highest impact grant opportunities and is so far recommended around $2 billion in grants. Thanks for returning to the podcast, Holden. Thanks for having me. Explosively fast progress. One of the reasons I'm so interested in AI safety standards is because it is kind of, no matter what risk you're worried about, I think you hopefully should be able to get on board with the idea that you should measure the risk and not unwittingly deploy AI systems that are carrying a ton of the risk before you've at least made a deliberate, informed decision to do so. Um, And I think if we do that, we can anticipate a lot of different risks and stop them from coming at us too fast. Too fast is the central theme for me. You know, a common story in some corners of, of this discourse is this idea of an AI that kind of It's this kind of simple computer program and it rewrites its own source code. And it's like the, you know, that's where all the action is. I don't think that's that's exactly the picture I have in mind, although there's some similarities. And so that, you know, the kind of thing I'm picturing is maybe more like a months or years time period from getting sort of near human level AI systems. And and what that means is definitely debatable and and gets messy, but near human level AI systems to just like very, very powerful ones uh, that are advancing science and technology really fast. And then science and technology, like at least on certain fronts that are not, that are the less bottlenecked fronts. And we can talk about bottlenecks in a minute. You get like a huge jump. So I think my, my view is at least somewhat more moderate than Eliezer's and at least has somewhat different dynamics. But I think there there is, you know, both both points of view are talking about this rapid change. I think without the rapid change, A, things are a lot less scary generally. B, I think it is harder to justify a lot of the stuff that AI concerned people do to try and get out ahead of the problem and think about things in advance because I think a lot of people sort of complain with this discourse that it's really hard to know the future and all the stuff we're talking about, what future AI systems are going to do, what we have to do about it today, it's very hard to get that right. It's very hard to anticipate what things will be like in an unfamiliar future. And I think when people complain about that stuff, I'm just like very sympathetic. I think that's like right. And I, if, I, if I thought that we had the option to adapt to everything as it happens, I think I would in many ways be tempted to just work on other problems and then kind of, in fact, adapt to things as they happen and see what's happening and see what's most needed. And so I think a lot of the case for planning things out in advance, trying to tell stories of what might happen, trying to figure out, you know, what kind of regime we're going to want and put the pieces in place today, trying to figure out what kind of research challenge is going to be hard and do them today. I think a lot of the case for that stuff being so important does rely on this theory that things could move a lot faster than anyone is expecting. I am, in fact, very sympathetic to people who would rather just adapt to things as they go. I think that's usually the right way to do things. Um, and I think many Many attempts to anticipate future problems are things I'm just like not that interested in because of this issue. But I think AI is a place where we have to take the explosive progress thing seriously enough that we should be doing our best to prepare for it. Yeah, I guess if you have this explosive growth, then the very strange things that we might be trying to prepare for might be happening in 2027 or, or incredibly soon. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's imaginable, right? And 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 it's all extremely uncertain because we don't know. It's like in in my head, a lot of it is like there's a there's a set of properties that an AI system could have roughly being able to do roughly everything humans are able to do to advance science and technology, or at least able to advance AI research. Um, we don't know when we'll have that. And so it's like, you know, one, one possibility is we're like 30 years away from that. But once we, once we get near that, things will move incredibly fast. And that, that's a, a world we could be in. We could also be in a world where we're only a few years from that. And then yeah. everything's going to get much crazier than anyone thinks, much faster than anyone thinks. AI population explosion. 
And I think some, some people are skeptical of this super intelligent story because they think you get really declining returns to being smarter and that there's like some ways in which, you know, it just doesn't matter how smart you are, that the world's right. like too, the world's too unpredictable, say, for you to uh, come up with a, come up with a great plan. But this is a different way by which you, a different mechanism by which you can get the same outcome, which is just that you have this enormous increase in the number of thoughts that that, yeah. uh, that 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 are occurring on computer chips, more or less. And at some point, you know, ninety nine percent of the thoughts that are happening on Earth could basically be be happening, be, be occurring inside artificial intelligences. Uh, and then as they get better and they're able to make more chips more quickly, uh, again, the, the pop you basically just gets a population explosion. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think this is this is a place where I think some people get a little bit rabbit holed on the AI. Debates because I think there's a lot of room to debate how how big a deal it is to have something that's quote unquote extremely smart or super intelligent or much smarter than a human. And it's like, okay, maybe, maybe if you had like something that was kind of like a giant brain or something and, and way, way smarter, whatever that means, than us, maybe what that would mean is that it would like instantly see how to make all these super weapons and conquer the world and how to convince us of anything. And there's all this stuff that that could mean. And people debate whether it could mean that, but it's it's uncertain. And I think a thing that's a lot less uncertain, if you're finding yourself skeptical of, of you know, what this smart idea means and where it's going to go and what you can do with it, if you find yourself skeptical of that, then just forget about it. And just, I, I believe you can make the entire case for being extremely concerned about AI, assuming that AI will never be smarter than a human. Instead, it will be as capable as the most capable humans. And there will be a ton of them because unlike humans, you can just copy them. Um, you can copy them. You can use your copies to come up with ways to make it more efficient, just like humans do. Then you can make more copies. And when we talk about whether AI could defeat humanity, and I've written one blog post on whether AI could kind of like take over the world, they don't have to be more capable than humans. They could be equally capable and there could be more of them. That, that could really do it. That could really be enough that then we wouldn't be, humans wouldn't be in control of the world anymore. So I'm, I'm basically generally happy to just have all discussions about AI and what the risks are just in this world where like, there's nothing more capable than a human, but it's pretty scary to have a lot of those that have different values from humans and are kind of a second advanced species. Um, that's not to rule out that, that some of these super intelligence concerns could be real. It's just like, they're not always necessary and they can sideline people. Yeah, yeah, you can just get get beaten by by force of numbers more or less. I think it's a little bit of a shame that this sheer numbers uh, argument hasn't hasn't really been made very much. It feels like the super intelligence story has been very dominant in in the narrative and uh, and media. And yeah, many people get get off the boat because they because they're skeptical of this intelligence thing. I, I think it kind of is the fault of, of me and maybe uh, pe- people who've been trying to raise the alarm about this because the focus really has been on the super intelligence aspect rather than the supernumerousness <laughs> uh, that, that you could get. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I think there's valid concerns like from from that angle for sure. And and I'm not trying to dismiss it, but I but I do. You know, I think it's there's a lot of uncertainty about what what superintelligence means and where it could go, and I think you can raise a lot of these concerns without needing to to have a settled view there. Misaligned AI might not kill us all, and aligned AI could be catastrophic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think one kind of vibe I pick up, and I, I don't always have the exact quote of whoever said what, but a vibe I pick up is this kind of this kind of framework that kind of says, you know, if we don't align our AIs, we're we're all going to die. And if we can align our AIs, that's great, and we've solved the problem, and that's the problem we should be thinking about, and, and there's nothing else really worth worrying about. 
you know, it's kind of like alignment is the whole game would be the hypothesis. And I um, I disagree with, with both ends of that, but especially the latter. So to take the first end would be like, you know, if we if we don't align AI, we're all dead. I mean, first off, I, I just think it's like really unclear, even in the even in the worst case where you get an AI that has like its own values and there's a huge number of them and they kind of team up and take over the world. Even then, it's like really unclear if that means we all die. I think there's like, I know there's debates about this. I have I have tried to understand I know that the, the Miri folks, I think, feel really strongly. Clearly, we all die. I've tried to understand where they're coming from, and, and I have not. I think a key point is it just, you know, could be very, very cheap as a percentage of resources, for example, to to let humans have a nice life on Earth and not expand further and, and be cut off in certain ways from threatening, you know, AI's ability to do what it wants. That could be very cheap compared to wiping us all out, and there could be a bunch of reasons one might want to do that. Uh, some of them kind of wacky. Some of them kind of, you know, well, maybe, uh, you know, maybe in another part of the universe, there's kind of someone like the AI that was trying to design its own AI, and that thing ended up with values like the humans. And, you know, maybe there's some kind of trade that could be made using, like, a causal trade. I and mean, we don't need to get into what all this means, but it's like, you don't <laughs> yeah. need much. The thing is, you don't need, or, like, maybe the AI is actually being simulated by humans or something, or by some smarter version of humans or some more powerful version of humans and being tested to see if it'll wipe out the humans or be nice to them. It's just like, you don't need a lot of reasons, you know, to kind of, like, leave one planet out if you're kind of expanding throughout the galaxy. So that would be one thing. Is it just like, I don't know, it's like, kind of uncertain what happens, even in the worst case. You know, the other part, if we do if we do align the AI, we're fine. I disagree with much more strongly. Um, <laughs> I just right. think, you know, if you, if more you strongly just, than that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go well, at the first one, I mean, look, I think it would be really bad to have misaligned AI. And I think despite the feeling that I feel it is, it is fairly overrated in some circles. I still think it's like the number one thing for me, um, just like the single biggest issue in AI is just like we're we're building these potentially very powerful, very replicable, very numerous systems, and we're building them in ways we don't have much insight into whether they have goals, what the goals would be. We're kind of introducing the second advanced species onto the planet that we don't understand. And if that advanced species becomes more numerous and or more capable than us, like we don't have a great argument to think that's going to be good for us. So I, I, I'm, I'm on board of the alignment risk is like, I don't know, the number one thing, not the only thing, the number one thing. But I would say, you know, if you just assume that you have a world of very capable AIs that are doing exactly what humans want them to do, yeah, that's very scary. And I think if that was the world we knew we were going to be in, I would still be totally full-time on AI and still feel that we had so much work to do and we were so not ready for what was coming. You know, certainly there's, there's the fact that because of the speed at which things move, you could end up with whoever kind of leads the way on AI or is least cautious having, you know, having a lot of power. And that could be someone really bad. And I don't think we should assume that just because that if you had some head of state that has really bad values, I don't think we should assume that that person is going to end up being nice after they become, you know, wealthy or powerful or transhuman or mind uploaded or whatever. I don't think there's really any reason to think we should assume that. And then I think there's just a bunch of other things that if things are moving fast, we could end up in a really bad state. Like, you know, are we going to come up with decent frameworks for making sure that uh, that digital minds are not mistreated? Are we going to come up with decent frameworks for kind of like how to ensure that as we get the ability to create whatever minds we want, we're using that, you know, to, to create minds that help us seek the truth instead of create minds that have whatever beliefs we want them to have, stick to those beliefs and try to shape the world around those beliefs. I think Carl Schulman put it as like, you know, are we going to have AI that makes us wiser or more powerfully insane? Um, so I think there's just there's just a lot like I think we're, we're kind of on the cusp of something that is just 
potentially really big, really world-changing, really transformative, and going to move way too fast. And I think even if we threw out the misalignment problem, we'd have a lot of work to do. And I think a lot of these issues are, are actually not getting enough attention. Getting the AIs to do our alignment homework for us. You know, there's this idea of like that I think I think sometimes some people call it like getting the AIs to do our alignment homework for us. So it's this idea that once you have human level-ish AI systems, you have them kind of working on the alignment problem in huge numbers. And it's like, in some ways, I hate this idea because it's just like very lazy. And it just is like, oh, yeah, we're not going to solve this problem until later when the world is totally crazy and everything's moving really fast. And like, we have no idea what's going to happen. So I hate the idea in that sense. We'll we'll just ask the agents that we don't trust to make themselves trustworthy. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to hate about this idea. Um, but heck, it could work. It really yeah. could. Because you could have, you know, you could have a situation where just in a few months, uh, you're able to do the equivalent of like thousands of years um, of humans doing alignment research. And if these systems are just like not at the point where they can or want to uh, screw you up, that really could do it. I mean, we just don't know that like thousands of years of human level-ish alignment research isn't enough to just like get us a real solution. Um, and so that's kind of how how you get through a lot of it. And then you still have another problem in a sense, uh, which is that you you do need a way to stop dangerous systems. It's not enough to have safe AI systems. But again, you have help from this giant automated workforce. And so in addition to coming up with ways to make your system safe, you can come up with ways of showing that they're dangerous and when they're dangerous and being persuasive about the importance of the danger. And that again, feels like something that like, I don't know, I feel like if we had 100 years before AGI right now, there'd be a good chance that normal flesh and blood humans could pull this off. Um, So in that world, there's a good chance that an automated workforce can cause it to happen pretty quickly. And you could pretty quickly get, you know, get understanding of the risks, agreement that we need to stop them. And you have, you know, more safe AIs than dangerous AIs, and you're trying to stop the dangerous AIs, and you're measuring the dangerous AIs, or or you're or you're stopping any AI that refuses to be measured, or whose whose developer refuses to measure it. And so then you have a world that's kind of like this one, where like, yeah, there's a lot of evil people out there, but there's but they are generally just kept in check by being outnumbered by people who are at least law-abiding, if not incredibly angelic. So you, you get a world that looks like this one, but it just has a lot of like AIs running around in it. And so we have like a lot of progress in science and technology, and that's that's a fine ending, potentially. The value of having a successful and careful AI lab. The the third category in the playbook was having a successful and careful AI lab. Yeah, do you, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, first with the reminder that I'm married to uh, the president of Anthropic. So, you know, take take that for what it's worth. Um I mean, I just think there's there's a lot of ways that if you had an AI company that was on the frontier, that was succeeding, that was building some of the world's biggest models, that was pulling in a lot of money, and that was simultaneously able to, you know, really be prioritizing risks to humanity, um, it's not too hard to think of a lot of ways good could come of that. I mean, some of them are very straightforward. The company could be making a lot of money, raising a lot of capital, and using that to support a lot of safety research on frontier models. So you could think of it as like a weird kind of earning to give or something. You know, also probably that AI company would be like pretty influential in discussions of how, you know, how AI should be regulated and how people should be thinking of AI. They could be a legitimizer, all that stuff. I think they'd be a good place for people to go and just like skill up, learn more about AI, um, become more important players. So I think in the short run, they'd have a lot of just like expertise in-house that they could like work on a lot of problems, like probably to design ways of measuring whether an AI system is dangerous. 
uh, one of the first places you'd want to go for people who'd be good at that would be a top AI lab that's building some of the most powerful models. So I think there's a lot of ways they could do good in the short run. And then, you know, I have written stories that just have in the in the long run. It's just like when we get these really powerful systems, it just like actually does matter a lot uh, who has them first and what they're using them, literally using them for. It's like when you have very powerful AIs is the first thing you're using them for trying to figure out how to make future systems safe or trying to figure out how to assess the threats of future systems, or is the first thing you're using them for just like trying to rush forward as fast as you can, do faster algorithms, do more, you know, more bigger systems, or is the first thing you're using them for just some random economic thing that is kind of cool and makes a lot of money? Some customer facing thing. Yeah. yeah, but and it's not it's not bad, but it's not reducing the risks we care about. So, you know, I think there is a lot of good that can be done there. And then there's also a lot, I want to be really clear, a lot of harm an AI company could do. Just, I mean, you know, if you're if you're pushing out these systems. Kill um, everyone. Well, that kind of thing. Yeah, for example. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're pushing out these AI systems. And, and, and if you're if you're doing it all with an eye toward profit and moving fast and winning, then, you know, I mean, you could think of it as like you taking the slot of someone who could have been using that expertise and money and, and juice to, to be doing a lot of good things. And you could also just be thinking of it as like, you're just giving everyone less time to figure out what the hell is going on and we already might not have enough. So I, I want to just be really clear, like, this is a tough one. I, I don't want to be interpreted as saying, you know, one of the tent poles of reducing AI risk is to like go start an AI lab immediately. Like, I don't believe that. <laughs> but I but I also think like, I also think that some corners of the AI safety world are very dismissive or just think that like AI companies are bad by default. And I'm just like, this is just like really complicated and it really depends exactly how the AI lab is prioritizing kind of risk to society versus success. And it has to prioritize success some to be relevant or to get some of these benefits. Um, so how it's balancing is just like really hard and really complicated and really hard to tell. And you're going to have to have some judgments about it. So it's not a ringing endorsement, but um, but it does feel, at least in theory, like part of one of the main ways that we make things better. You know, it, it's it, you could do a lot of good. Why information security is so important. I think you can you can build these like powerful, dangerous AI systems and you can do a lot to try to mitigate the dangers, like limiting the ways they can be used. You can do various alignment techniques. But if uh, if some state or someone else steals the weights, they have basically stolen your AI system and they can run it without even having to do the training run. So you might, you know, you might spend a huge amount of money on a training run, end up with this AI system that's very powerful and someone else just has it. And they can then also fine tune it, which means they can do their own training on it and kind of change the way it's operating. So whatever you did to train it to be nice, they can train that right out. Uh, the training they do could screw up whatever you did to try and make it aligned. And so it's, it's I think if, at, the, at the limit of like, it's really just trivial for any state to just grab your AI system and do whatever they want with it and retrain it how they want. It's really hard to imagine feeling really good about our, <laughs> about that situation. <laughs> I don't know if I really need to elaborate a lot more yeah, on yeah. that. And so yeah. making it making it harder seems valuable. I also this is another thing where I, I want to say as as I have with everything else that it's not a binary. So um, it could be the case that like after you improve your security a lot, it's still possible for a state actor to steal your system, but they have to take more risks. They have to spend more money. They have to take a deeper breath before they do it. It takes them more months. Months can be a very big deal, as I've been saying. Uh, when you get these very powerful systems, you could do a lot in a few months. By the time they steal it, you could have a better system. And so I don't think it's an all or nothing thing, but I think it's it's a core, it's it's no matter what risk of AI you're worried about. You could be worried about the misalignment. You could be worried about the um, the misuse and, and the use to develop dangerous weapons. You could be worried about more esoteric stuff, like how the AI does decision theory. You could be worried about, you know, mind crime, but like 
you don't want just kind of like anyone, including uh, some of these state actors North who Korea, may have very yeah. bad values, yeah, to just be able to steal a system, retrain it how they want and use it how they want. You want some kind of setup where it's like the people with good values <laughs> controlling more of the more powerful AI systems, using them to enforce some sort of law and order in the world and, and enforcing law and order generally with or without AI. So it seems quite, quite robustly important. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think other things about security is just like, I think it's very, very hard, like just very hard to make these systems hard to steal for a state actor. And so I think there's just like a, I don't know, like I think there's a ton of room to go and make things better. There could be security research on innovative new methods and there can also just be like a lot of blocking and tackling, just getting companies to do things that we already know need to be done, but that are really hard to do in practice, take a lot of work, take a lot of iteration, you know, and also a nice thing about security as opposed to some of these other things it is a relatively mature field. So you can learn about security in some other context and then apply it to AI. So, you know, part of me kind of thinks that the the EA community or whatever kind of screwed up by not emphasizing security more. I kind of it's not too hard for me to imagine a world where we've just been screaming about the the AI security problem for the last 10 years. And how do you stop a very powerful system from getting stolen? That problem is extremely hard. Uh, we'd made a bunch of progress on it. There were tons of tons of people concerned about this stuff on the security teams of all the top AI companies, and we were kind of not as active and only had a few people work on alignment. I'm just like, I don't know, is that world better or worse than this one? I'm not really sure. Uh, a world where we were kind of more balanced and had encouraged people who were a good fit for one to go into one uh, probably seems just like better. Probably seems just like better than the world we're in. So yeah, yeah. I think security is a really big deal. I think it hasn't hasn't gotten enough attention. Holden versus hardcore utilitarianism. So maybe maybe a way of highlighting the differences here will be to, to, to imagine this conversation where you're saying, you know, I'm leading open philanthropy. I think that we should split our efforts between a whole bunch of different projects, each one of which would look exceptional on, on, a, on a different plausible worldview. And the hardcore utilitarian comes to you and says, no, you should choose the best one and just fund that. Or you like spend all of your resources and all of your time just focused on that best one. Yep. Um, what would you say to, to them in order to, to justify the worldview diversification approach? Yeah, I mean, the first the first thing I would say to them is just like burdens on you. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is kind of a tension I often have with people who consider themselves hardcore is they'll just, you know, it's it's like they'll just be like, well, why wouldn't you be a hardcore utilitarian? Like, what's the problem? Like, why isn't it just maximizing the pleasure and minimizing the pain or, you know, the, the sum or the difference? And I would just be like, no, 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 you've got to tell me because I am sitting here with these great opportunities to help huge amounts of people in like very different and hard to compare ways and like, the way I've always done ethics before in my life is like, I basically have some voice inside me and it says, this is what's right. And that voice has to carry some weight. It's like, even on your model, that voice has to carry some weight because you, the hardcore utilitarian, not Rob, because we all know you're not at all. Um, <laughs> you know, but the, um, it's like, even the most systematic theories of ethics, it's like, they're all using that little voice inside you that says what's right. That's, that's the arbiter of all the thought experiments so that we're all putting weight on it somewhere, somehow. And I'm like, cool. That's got to be how this works. There's a voice inside me saying, this feels right, this feels wrong. That voice has got to get some weight. That voice is saying, you know what? Like, it is really interesting to think about these risks to humanity's future, but also, like, it's weird. Like, this work is not shaped like the other work. It doesn't have as good feedback loops. It feels icky. Like, a lot of this work is about just basically supporting people who think like us or feels that way a lot of the time. And it just feels like doesn't doesn't have the same ring of ethics to it. And then on the other hand, it just feels like I'd be kind of a jerk if like like open fill, I believe and you could disagree with me, is like not only the biggest, but the most effective farm animal welfare funder in the world. And I think we've had enormous impact and made animals lives dramatically better. And coming to say to me, no, you should take all that money and put it like 
into the like diminishing margin of like supporting people to think about some future X risk in a domain where you're mostly have a lot of these concerns about insularity. Like you've got to make the case to me because the normal way all this stuff works is you like listen to that voice inside your head and you care what it says. And some of the opportunities open Phil has to do a lot of good are quite extreme and we do them. So that's, that's the first thing is we've got to put the burden of the proof in the right place. Cause I think utilitarianism is definitely interesting and has some things going for it, especially if you patch it and make it Udasa, although that makes it less appealing, but it, it you gotta, it, where's the burden of proof? Yeah. <laughs>